Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Ezra chapter 7. Now after this, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Merioth, son of Zerahiah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, son of Abishua, son of Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that Yahweh, the God of Israel, had given, and the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of Yahweh his God was on him. And there went up also to Jerusalem, in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king, some of the people of Israel, and some of the priests and Levites, the singers and gatekeepers, and the temple servants. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month he began to go up from Babylonia, and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of Yahweh, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, a man learned in matters of the commandments of Yahweh and his statutes for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven. Peace. And now I make a decree that any one of the people of Israel, or their priests or Levites in my kingdom, who freely offers to go to Jerusalem may go with you. For you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God which is in your hand, and also to carry the silver and gold that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, with all the silver and gold that you shall find in the whole province of Babylonia, and with the freewill offerings of the people and the priests, vowed willingly for the house of their God that is in Jerusalem. With this money, then, you shall, with all diligence, buy bulls, rams, and lambs, with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. Whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and the gold, you may do according to the will of your God. The vessels that have been given you for the service of the house of your God, you shall deliver them before the God of Jerusalem. And whatever else is required for the house of your God, which it falls to you to provide, you may provide it out of the king's treasury. And I, Artaxerxes the king, make a decree to all the treasurers in the province beyond the river. Whatever whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, requires of you, let it be done with all diligence, up to one hundred talents of silver, one hundred cores of wheat, one hundred baths of wine, one hundred baths of oil, and salt without prescribing how much. Whatever is decreed by the God of heaven, let it be done in full for the house of the God of heaven, lest his wrath be against the realm of the king and his sons. We also notify you that it shall not be lawful to impose tribute, custom, or toll on any one of the priests, the Levites, the singers, the doorkeepers, the temple servants, or other servants of this house of God. And you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God that is in your hand, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge all the people in the province beyond the river all such as know the laws of your God. And those who do not know them you shall teach. Whoever will not obey the law of your God and the law of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation or his, of his goods or for imprisonment. 
Blessed be Yahweh, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing as this into the heart of the king, to beautify the house of Yahweh that is in Jerusalem, and who extended to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty officers. I took courage, for the hand of Yahweh my God was on me, and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. This is the word of the Lord. So we see now, after six, the first six chapters were largely history. Ezra recounting things that had happened before. Now we see present day for Ezra. This is 465 to 424, the reign of Artaxerxes over Persia. And we have this Ezra, and you get his genealogy, going up to Jerusalem from Babylon. Now you could, if you'd like, work through that genealogy with your children, identify any of those names that they recognize or that you recognize. You can talk about them. You could use a study Bible to see where these names might be mentioned elsewhere in Scripture. Or you could pull up Bible Gateway, a great website online, and you could search for any of these names and see what you could learn about them. Some of them you won't learn anything about, but others have quite a bit to, especially at the, the end of the list. Aaron, Eleazar, Phinehas, those are some big names. But some of the other ones are important too at different points, like Hilkiah and Zadok, a couple of examples that you might find in Scripture. Now, with verse 6, we learn that Ezra is a scribe. We also learn down in verse 11 that he's a priest. So the priestly tribe was all being mentioned in his genealogy there. These are a couple of the roles that Ezra has. A priest is the one who is in charge of the sacrifices that are offered to Yahweh. And so we're going to see Artaxerxes is giving him those sacrifices to do. And then also scribes were in charge of the keeping of God's commandments, the keeping of his word of the Old Testament, uh, the things that you would know of today as the, for example, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and anything else that might have been written by this point in time. So we have verse 6, that all was going well for Ezra because the, the king gave him anything he asked for because Yahweh was with him. Does that remind you of anyone else in the Old Testament? I would hope that the idea of Joseph comes to mind the very end of the book of Genesis, that anything Joseph was doing, the Lord prospered, whether it was working in Potiphar's house or if it was working in the jail where he gets put over to the entire prison, um, or if it's working under Pharaoh as second in command over all of Egypt because God was with him and prospered whatever Joseph did. We see a similar statement here about Ezra. In the seventh year of Artaxerxes, so we're 459, 458, somewhere in that range, the Jews are returning, more Jews are returning to Jerusalem. So you had a wave go back under Cyrus in 537, but then it stopped. And here now, what is that? Good 70 years later? Yeah, almost 80 years later. They're doing, there is another wave that's going to Jerusalem again. And you see that down in verse 13, Artaxerxes decree that any of the Israelites or the Levites that are in his kingdom that want to go, they are free to go. So his, the, they're his people. They're his servants at this point. He is king over that whole area, including where they're going back to. So he's just letting some of his servants move from one part of his nation 
to another part of his nation. That's what's going on right there. Um, additional servants going to serve in the Lord's house. We see in verse 9 that the trip takes four months for Ezra to make. And also that it went well. The good hand of God was on him. So that makes it sound like this four-month trip was a good thing. That it could have been much worse. It was an easy trip of four months because God was with him. And we get the letter. It takes up a couple of paragraphs here, a few paragraphs of what Artaxerxes has to say. He calls him the God of heaven several times. I didn't actually count them. You can count them if you'd like. But he brings that up multiple times here in the course of this writing. He mentions his advisors, the seven counselors to the king. And he's sending Ezra to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God. So, uh, don't jump into this real quick thinking that Artaxerxes is a faithful Christian. He is a polytheist. And that's that means he believes in many gods. And that's going to show up just as it did for Darius before in, in the last chapter. Now, a question we can talk about, essentially these inquiries. What's happening there? Are they keeping the law of God? And the question to ask your family, why would this king care? Why would he care if these Jews are being faithful? Why would he care if they're serving their God as their God has demanded that they do? Again, polytheism, he believes there are many gods. And so this God is another God. This is a legitimate God and someone to be honored and even feared. What happens in Jerusalem, beyond the river, in his mind then impacts his whole kingdom. If this God's people are not faithful, then this God's wrath is going to pour out upon them. And if it pours out upon them, they're a part of his nation. It's going to impact his nation. He does not want God's wrath. We actually see that. That's He says it himself down in verse 23. Lest his wrath be against the realm of the king and his sons. So Darius in the last chapter was hoping that the house would be rebuilt and that they would pray for him and his sons. Here, a bit of a different picture, Artaxerxes is hoping to avoid the wrath of this god. See the difference there? It's certainly a big difference in between those. The king sends an offering, and a large one at that as you read through 16, uh, to this god of Israel, and then says uh, that whatever Ezra wants to do with the money, he can do with the money, and if he needs more, it will be provided out of the treasury. So we saw that with Cyrus, we saw it with Darius, and now we see it with Artaxerxes again. They're willing to pay for the things of the Lord. Verse 21, just as Darius made a decree to the people in the beyond the river, so west of the Jordan, so we see Artaxerxes do. Whatever the priest needs, give it. Up to 7,500 pounds of silver, 5,811 gallons of wheat, 581 gallons of wine or oil, and then don't even measure the salt. Just give whatever salt's necessary. So putting those in modern terms uh, for you to be able to understand just how big of quantities those are. Your children understand a gallon when they think about a milk jug. They don't understand what a core of wheat is, but they can make the, that picture. So 5,800 gallons of, of wheat. That's a lot of wheat. Whatever is decreed by the God of heaven. So again, there is some belief going on here, but it's not it's not a narrow belief that God is the only God. It's not monotheism. 
one God. It's unfortunately still polytheism. Verse 24, we see that Artaxerxes then even decrees that the workers of the temple are tax-free. The workers of God's house are not to be taxed, taxed by, by the kingdom. There's some of this throughout history in different cultures. You actually have a remnant of it here still in the United States, that church workers, uh, clergy in particular, but also some other church workers too, uh, in our own synod, uh, our teachers, DCEs, those kinds of positions can be eligible in this. Um, there are some special tax codes for them uh, regarding housing allowances, which don't get taxed at the same rate, um, a little lesser income tax in a sense for them. And those are holdovers from an age long ago. Uh, probably more the idea that the these religious leaders are doing a beneficial service to their community and typically aren't paid too much for doing so. And so the government was giving them a break because the government wanted them around in order to continue to do these good deeds in their community. We're seeing that definitely go by the wayside. There's a lot of hatred towards the church and there are groups, uh, specifically one, uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation. What is that? FFRF or something like that. They have sued against uh, the housing allowance of clergy multiple times. And there's another lawsuit from them in the courts right now. So at some point in the near future, I would expect that will probably be deemed unconstitutional. And your your pastor of your congregation is going to lose that, that tax break that he has. It's not that they don't pay taxes. They have to pay self-employment taxes. And they do have to pay still some income taxes as well. So they're not tax-free. But there was built into the code at least a small break that was meant to help them at least provide for a home for their families. So that's their similarity here to the text to you modern uh, in your church today. Application stuff. Verse 25, Artaxerxes is propping Jerusalem up. I mean, he's giving them prominence in the place beyond the river. Their judges that Ezra appoints by God's law, get to judge that whole area. So the, the law of God just became the law of the land beyond the river. That's a big deal that should not be overlooked here. Um, massive, massive difference. And then just as Darius did, uh, really a curse. Artaxerxes includes in verse 26, uh, punishment for those who would break the law of God. Again, going back to verse 23, because he doesn't want the wrath of God falling on his kingdom. Verse 27 shifts, and you get the, the words of Ezra now, uh, rejoicing, thanking God. So blessed be Yahweh, thanking God for changing the heart of Artaxerxes uh, and beautifying the temple and doing this, this great thing for, for Ezra. So that goes back to verse six, that God has been working through Ezra all along and his steadfast love is shown to him. His faithfulness is shown to him. And so Ezra can have courage because he knows Yahweh is with him. That's a consistent theme of scripture. Um, whether it's going back further into Exodus chapter 14, uh, the idea that we would only be still and the Lord will fight for us. Or if you're moving forward into the new Testament and the promises of God that that he is always with us, uh, that Jesus says in Matthew 28. God being with us is an important, important aspect of our faith. 
He is not a distant God. He is here. He is present. And because he is with us, we need not fear. The world cannot do anything to hurt you. Even if it hurts you in what we think of as the worldly sense of hurting you, even if it were to put you to death, in the end, it has not hurt you at all. You are with your Savior, Jesus. So as Ezra takes confidence because Yahweh is with him, so we take confidence today in all things because Christ is with us. Amen.